What does God take pleasure in? And at some point, we've got to move. If we want a mature relationship with God, if we want understanding, spiritual understanding, we've got to move in a direction that says, I'm in relationship with the creator of all that there is. And so I'm not in the driver's seat here. I I think what a sort of huge appetite for control tells me a couple of things. It It tells me you don't have nearly enough God in your life. It tells me you're terribly afraid of something. Why not give up some of that? This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm Melissa Rao, your host, and this is a conversation inspired by Four Faith, a weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's devotion and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Good morning, Bishop. Good morning. You named this week's devotion Unimpressed, and you based it off of Psalm 147. It's really kind of talking about what does or what doesn't impress God. And you say what doesn't impress God is a number of things, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm I'm curious though, because you you choose your passages in order to write your devotion. What made you really like hone in on this one? Well, you're asking me about process, and I imagine that people wonder that. Like of all of uh, so in our tradition, of course, you know, we have four pieces of scripture that are possible on any given Sunday, mm-hmm. right? We call that the lectionary offering, and. Uh, um, you know, I read through them all. Uh, I typically read through them all on a Monday and, and you know, just sort of sit with them and just wonder, you know, uh, let one over the others speak to me, I suppose. And it doesn't sound very scientific, but it's sort of an intuitional thing, kind of a, maybe art, more art than science. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a person like everybody else. I'm watching the news and I'm living my life and everything. And sometimes just, you know, reading the paper and, you know, things occur to you. And, you know, I think what helps me to try to choose the texts is, is that when I, when I see society um, or even the church um, heading in a direction that seems like it's a departure from the biblical understanding, and it's not that I have some sort of all-seeing eye over here or anything, but, but I, I, I notice things that get conflated. And uh, I notice sometimes the church trying to be like the world. And uh, there's no better corrective for that than the Word of God, than Holy Scripture, that tries to bring us back to this unique understanding of uh, love, uh, of generosity, of forgiveness, uh, of sharing, and of power. And so when I read Psalm 147, you know, it's, it's just so interesting that God seems to have uh, a different idea about power uh, than we have. Um, uh, in the world and that we strive for in the world. And uh, I just, I try to take a stab at that and try to bring that to people's attention and and let them do their own meditations. Sure. And Psalm 147 is, I think this is the quote from the scripture directly is God is unimpressed by the might of the horse or the strength of a man. That's right. And so you're saying, okay, well, I, I guess my question is like, yeah, we know what unimpresses God. It means our strength isn't strong enough. And I, I imagine God saying, oh, bless right. your heart. Right, right, exactly, <laughs> and, exactly. And, and yet I can't help but wonder about that power differential. And I guess where's the gap? Um, why, I don't want to ask you why, because I feel like I don't know that you actually know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm, I'm, I'm a traveler just like the rest right? of us. Exactly. I just, I wonder like, where does love show up? 
in that power differential? Well, thank, I mean, that's a great idea to tie together here. So I think what the psalmist is trying to help us to understand is, number one, who is this God anyway, right? And, and what appeals to this God? I think that's one thing. Number two, I think uh, the psalmist uh, is trying to help us understand that there are destinations that you're unable to arrive at uh, by a worldly definition of power. And I think that's the biggest piece. Um, and so uh, I think what the Bible will tell us uh, is that God is love. And so if God is almighty, that means God has all power. And God is not just loving, but God is love. So therefore, the logic would tell us that God is abundant in love. And that is the most durable uh, you know, force in the universe. So I think that's the power piece. And so I think that's why we're always invited into you know, to understand the depth of the power of love. Power, you know, love is the most adaptive force. It, it fills all the cracks. It finds, it finds a way to fill things that we can't fill with uh, clumsy attempts at uh, human power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think what, what the psalmist is trying to invite us into is to, to think about our understanding of power. Look, um, uh, you know, as we said last week, you know, what we tend to want to do with power is to dominate. Uh, and uh, what God seems to want to do with power uh, is to build and make whole uh, and forgive and equip and heal. And so that makes it different. And so, you know, I like that uh, the psalmist says, you know, because who doesn't like some, you know, I was looking at some video the other day of these gigantic draft horses. And of course, I grew up in the days where during the Super Bowl, and I imagine it's it's that's going to be true coming up for us now, is you get to see the Budweiser, you know, uh, horses, you know, pull the big wagon. I mean, wow. I mean, think about the, what, what an amazing creation, big and strong and muscular across the chest, and they're able to pull great weights. And, uh, and of course, we think of the strength of a man, the strength of a person by you know, physical attributes, uh, maybe even by the power of their intellect. But there's another quality uh, that we're invited to think about and even aspire to. Um, and I think that's what God wants us to spend some time on. You know, I am, I am thinking about the, the idea of, it's not an idea, it's real. The power of love is the most powerful force right? That's what we're saying, right? If we believe in what we say every Sunday and we believe in God and we believe in the power of love, we know that love wins. And so I guess I'm just wondering here, goodness gracious, what is it about human beings who feel like they need to use the domination and the violence and the corruption and all of that stuff to control rather than leaning in on the power of love? You know, it's an interesting thing, right? Uh, so we, you know, people doubt God. And of course, many of us have come through uh, and maybe even still in seasons of doubt. And I get that. But one thing that is really hard to doubt is sin. Uh, all you got to do is read the newspaper. All you got to do is scroll. We, we find a way um, to hurt one another, even when we don't intend to. We find a way to diminish one another. We find a way to lie, cheat, steal, um, you know, uh, harbor, um, grievance, malice, et cetera. We find a way. So, so the newspapers tell out, you know, the sad news that there is a thing called sin and, uh, and that human beings uh, are highly susceptible to it. Um, and so I, I think that's 
That's what it is. That That is just our feature. We have 10 toes and we are people who miss the mark. Um, you know, St. Paul says in one place, um, you know, I, I don't do the good I want to do. Uh, and I and I do the bad that I don't want to do, you know, and then he, he cries out, who will save me from this body of death? And then he answers his own question. Jesus Christ will. Right. And so and so I think, you know, even in that little bit of scripture. So then what would impress God? What impresses God is, is that we find the strength based on the encouragement that we are loved by God to face our own shortcomings and our and our absolutely you know, being tantalized with power over one another, of, uh, of greed, of, of all those things. I mean, think about the Ten Commandments, of bearing false witness against each other, um, coveting other people's stuff. Um, I mean, that's just, that's who we are. And, and it's not that we're just totally depraved. It's just part of the human condition. Um, uh, call it a design feature. Now, the good news about that design feature is that we, we have medicine. There is a resource. And so I think the psalmist, is trying to point us uh, to God, that strength in God, and trying to describe for us um, what our strengths might be. And they are, number one, uh, to have to catch sight of myself, right? Lent is coming up, uh, the season of Lent. And, and so one of the great gifts of Lent is that I take some time, bring some intentionality to it, and I catch sight of myself. I look in the mirror. And so where do we find the courage to actually confront my shortcomings? Well, we find it in the abundant knowledge that we are loved by God. Uh, There's nothing you can do to make God love you more right now. And there's nothing that you can do to make God love you less right now. You are loved. You have dignity and worth. You're made in in God's image. And so based on that assurance, you know, the song, Blessed Assurance, uh, we can look at our weaknesses because that's the only way we can heal. And we can admit that these are the things that seduce me, whether you want to call it, you know, that, that came to us through family of origin issues or uh, other fears and deep-seated insecurities, whatever you want to, however we get to these places, now we have an opportunity to confront that. And that's a strength. That's a real strength. Think about it. Um, you're not always externalizing. You, you, can, you can find the depth and the quality of reflection to notice your gaps, and, uh, and to give them to God, that is a strength. We say in our baptismal covenant, uh, when you fall into sin, will you repent and return to the Lord? That's a strength. That's a competency. That's a capacity. Apparently, according to the biblical record, that impresses the hell out of God, right? <laughs> God right. is like, wow. Now, here's one who wants to worship, reverence, and revere me. And so God is like, Wow. You know, uh, King David has a really checkered uh, uh, record there in the Bible, but the, the Bible tells us that that, that uh, King David was the apple of God's eye, uh, and and David did his thing. I mean, I'm I'm not sure why people haven't made a, a made for Netflix or Hulu show about David. I mean, there, what better tragic character than this guy? I mean, he's got all the charisma, all the charm, all the courage, and all the sin. Uh, <laughs> all the sin. But but at the critical moment. You know, when he is confronted uh, with his shadow side, people like to talk about now, or his dark side or his own sin, uh, he does the trick. He, he says, forgive me. Uh, and, and I think this is what impresses God. And not just, you know, clumsy physical strength, um, but a strength of spirit and a strength of humility. I mean, we don't usually put those words together either. Uh, to be strong enough to be humble. So as I say in the, in the, um, 
you know, the meditation, it's a heightened awareness. And so as my awareness of God increases, the, the, who God is, God's character uh, sketch as told to me in scripture and in worship and in worship music and in nature and in fellowship one with the other, then I get a sense that I can come out of my scared little corners, you know, uh, and move towards God. And when I do that, I'm really exerting strength. And I'm exerting strength based on the strength of God loving me and inviting me, you know, into the near presence uh, of God. It, it's an extraordinary look. These are spiritual realities that we're trying to talk about now. You know, as I, as I like to say, this is about spiritual maturity. And so, you know, if we're going to be moving, you know, out of, uh, you know, sort of generally familiar with some ideas in scripture and into a deep and real relationship with God, we've got to go this way. And we've got to ask ourselves, so then what does God take pleasure in? And at some point, we've got to move. If we want a mature relationship with God, if we want understanding, spiritual understanding, we've got to move in a direction that says, I'm in relationship with the creator of all that there is. And so I'm not in the driver's seat here. You know, I get to respond to this. And so I, as I've said in other, other opportunities to speak, you know, it's more surfer. Uh, I'm more riding a wave than I'm controlling anything. I, I think what, you know, uh, a, a sort of huge appetite for control uh, tells me a couple of things. It, it tells me you don't have nearly enough God in your life. And number one, it tells me you're terribly afraid of something. And so, you know, why not give up some of that? Uh, and I understand that this is easy to say on a podcast and all this sort of stuff. But I mean, that is the journey of growth, uh, personal growth, a growth with God. And therefore, think about the positives then that will accrue to everybody you encounter. You know, as you and I stand more steady in who God is and want to please God, uh, we release into the world uh, something that the world is in desperate need of. Well, I want to talk more about that after this very short break. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. Welcome back to Four People. Bishop, did you get to see a case for love? You know, I'm just recovering from the flu. And oh. on the night we were supposed to have, I'm very disappointed. On the night we had our Atlanta premiere. And of course, for those who don't know, the, A Case for Love is a, is a movie featuring our own presiding Bishop, Bishop Michael Curry and friends, Becca Stevens of Thistle Farms and et cetera. Really just making a case for love. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's aptly sort of titled. I didn't get to see it. I've, I'm, I've seen some pretty significant clips, but uh, I haven't seen the whole thing. But that's what I'm talking about. That, well, I, there was this one, you said something before break, you were t uh, talking about um, having to face your woundedness, like name it in order to heal. Like we need to name it. And my very favorite quote in the movie was, uh, you know, we often, we often say hurt people, hurt people. I hear that all the time. Yet one of the people in the documentary said almost even under his breath, healed people, heal people. Exactly. Heal people make room for people. Uh, heal people bring gentleness. Um, heal people. Heal people bring kindness. Um, heal people move um, 
they refuse indifference. Uh, healed people look at people like siblings rather than opposition or enemy. Uh, I mean, there, there are any number of advantages. And, you know, it's interpersonal. Here's the thing about this, this whole God business. Um, you know, we, we think about these. Uh, I, I'm reading the brand new biography of, uh, of Dr. King. It's, uh, it's released by a guy by the name of Jonathan Eig, E-I-G. And it's now been put forth as the definitive biography. And, you know, before Dr. King, you know, gets to the steps of, uh, you know, on the, the Lincoln Memorial on the mall in 63, August of 63, there are any number of interpersonal betrayals and encounters um, that he has to navigate. I mean, his house has been bombed at that point. He almost lost his wife and first daughter at this point. He's been betrayed by other black clergy in Montgomery, uh, jealous people. I mean, we are looking at someone who, whose who's soaring rhetoric is grounded in the day-to-day life, injury of, forgiveness of, you know, attempting to do better, uh, you know, of a real person's life. And, uh, and I think we've got to remember that when we're thinking about these sort of what we some people would call spiritual super athletes or, you know, elite spiritual athletes. It's all grounded in interaction with human beings. Why does God take on frail flesh and come among us? Because that's where it is. You know, that's where it is. I mean, God would be a lot less persuasive to me personally, and I'm speaking for myself, a lot less persuasive if God stayed in God's high heaven and just watched us suffer. But to come among us at a great power differential, to place limits on God's own power to come among us so as to show us a way forward, to me is why God is worthy of praise and adoration, because that's a great exertion of power. I mean, so it's no wonder then, tying this back to the psalm, it's no wonder, no wonder that that's what impresses God, is to do what God did, which is to put constraints on our appetites for power for the benefit of the whole. That's the greatest exertion of power, is that I use my power for mercy. Mm. You know, I'm thinking of net net car, you know, carbon neutral. Sure. <laughs> you know, is there a sin neutral response? <laughs> you know, could could we can we just focus on doing those random acts of kindness during the day and you know just chip away at all the bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if there's if the, that's an interesting idea. I'll have to think about sin neutral. You know, uh, you know, but I I I think what we have to realize is is that. You know what impresses God also is 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 the very opposite of uh, what I call religious entertainment. You know, you know, it seems like what impresses God again is the heart, and and out of the heart, um, you know, the Bible says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, doth the mouth speak." Good old King James language, "Doth the mouth speak," right? And 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 I think you know from the heart flows, you know, our better actions. And so, you know, what impresses God is, is if we, if we, so to speak, take our heart in hand and hold it up to God. And, you know, the truth of the matter is that we have such great blind spots. I'll speak for myself. 
we have such great blind spots and we don't even know the, the, the places where we need healing. And so, you know, what impresses God is, 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 is it seems, is, is to be able to do that, that act, that gesture. Here's my heart, God. There's a great song by a, a, a gospel performer by the name of Lauren Dingle. Uh, and uh, that's her song. Here's my heart, Lord. Um, and I, I think that's what we're really talking about. Because, you know, think about the power then, right? So the, the power is, is in my submission. These are, these are bad words in modern culture. Th- these are words that we modern people, you know, we expel uh, from our conversations. Obedience, humility, submission. Um, and, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that we can get real cute with religious language if we want to, but, but as, as they say, those are the fundamentals. And it's not about a lack of self-worth. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. It is, I find my self-worth in the gaze of the creator. I find my best sense of myself in the love and the, uh, and the gifts and the mercy and the forgiveness of the creator. So why wouldn't I submit to that? And, you know, and in the areas that I am rebellious against that, those are the areas that I need healing. So to be a strong man, as the world defines, or to be a strong horse, uh, like the Budweiser Clydesdales, you know, God is like, yeah, that's cute. That's cute. But, you know, I'm in the soul making business. You know, I'm in this changing the spiritual temperature of the universe business. And so strong horses come and go and strength fails us all eventually. Um, but what seems to be a, uh, a participation in eternal strength seems to be, you know, that we would say, God, how might I please you today? Thanks be to God. (laughs) Bishop, thank you. And listeners, we're grateful to you for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.